Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Drive Through HR. It is the last day of February 2023, and we are coming to you um, live, which we do every now and again rather than an uploaded show. So, welcome to Drive Through HR. I am Robin Schooling, one of your hosts, and along with me is my co host, Michael Vanderborg. Hello, Michael. Hello, Robin. How are you today? I am I am very good, um, and I'm just going to warn our our listeners that uh, Michael is in the process of moving, so there's a little bit of a delay um, in getting his volume up. So uh, that's the beauty of doing the live show again, right? <laughs> yeah, I, it's why I, I stopped <laughs> so I could get better sound. So, but you're you're wanting to do the old school show, so here we are, and I'm glad 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 to be doing it. That's right, that's right. So um, we're gonna dive. Um, we're gonna really dive right into our topic, and this is a very um, interesting interesting topic that we wanted to uh, discuss, which is what it's like when you work in the HR industry and you're the candidate and what that experience is like. Because both Michael and I um, have started new jobs here in the last uh, month or so, as has our guest, our longtime friend, previous guest, longtime listener, uh, Mike Wood. Welcome, Mike. Hi, everybody. Hey, Mike. Glad to have you back. I have emerged victorious from the candidate experience and have a new <laughs> Wait, that so, makes it sound as if it's not a miracle wonderland. Uh, it was a crazy, crazy time. <laughs> yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it is indeed. Um, so b- before we dive into exactly our, um, our candidate experience stories, uh, why don't we kick off and we'll go around the room um, and uh, fill our audience in on what your what your new gig is, what your current role is, um, who you're working for, what you're doing, kind of what you're focusing on. Um, so, Mike, why don't we start with you, then we'll go to Michael, and then I'll pop in. Sure. So I started the new gig on uh, the day after Martin Luther King Day um, at iSIMS. And I am the analyst relations and influencer manager um, for ISIPS. And um, I've, so far, it's been uh, fantastic. I'm very happy to be back in HR tech and uh, with a wonderful organization and team. Very nice. Um, ISIMS does some I, – I, I don't touch on the talent world like you guys do, but I've seen ISIMS speakers at different events in, the, in years past, and they always do a great – it's a great job. So it's not, that's a great organization to have landed in, Mike, I think. Yeah, it's fit. I think when I was interviewing and when I was kind of looking into the company, I, I'd long been a fan of iSIMS and what they do, and I've seen them at industry events. But most of the people that I ended up talking to had been with the company for a long time. And so that yeah. was kind of like a good thing to see um, that you don't necessarily 
see it too many places anymore. But I mean, we're talking like, oh yeah, I've been here for nine years or ten years, and so I'm like, okay, if they've been here that long, that's probably a good sign. Yeah. I have the it, of, okay. Oh, go ahead, Robin. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I was going to say I had the chance back in the day before ISIMS moved into the new headquarters that they're in now. But um, <laughs> when they were in the old uh, their old headquarters, I I actually took a trip up there and went through training once upon a time as a customer. And um, just the vibe of the everybody in the building was. Uh, it, I mean, it fit, you know. Yeah, I could do a whole episode on the new office. So I visited it last week. Um, I, I'm from outside of Boston, way outside of Boston in the affordability zone of Western Mass. And um, I drove down, it was probably like four hours, but they're in this big, huge building called Bell Labs. And it's almost set up like a mall on the inside. Uh-huh. It's where they filmed that Apple Plus series Severance. And so it's just, oh. it's a really intimidating building. <laughs> but it's it's a cool building. Look, it's out in the middle of nowhere that has like tons of people and people like will like go like like they're going to the mall or something and they'll go to like visit the shops and stuff that are in there. So it's a little little strange. I worked for a non-tech company like 20 years ago that actually acquired a, a, a building that had formerly been a retail mall and they turned it into their new corporate headquarters, but they kept some of the mall features like they had a food court you know and that kind of it was, yeah. it was, it was pretty it was, it was pretty cool um I, I was like i can't believe that they're gonna turn you know but they gutted basically the whole building but they kept some of the features and that's what they called it was the mall so it was kind, yeah, the, of, a, kind of a neat nod to the history of the building i guess the best way i could describe it is if society were to shut down from like a zombie apocalypse or whatever and we had to rebuild this is like the building that we would start to rebuild. Like there was like a little uh, nursery school, there was food, there was uh, different shops inside, and it was all contained in this one building that nothing else is like on the outside. Hmm. Hmm. Well, in, in, in today's uh, sort of hybrid world, that's probably a, not a bad way to be set up, actually. So, so cool. Um, yeah, so so as Robin said, I, I've also taken a new job, started in January, and um, left Publix again. Uh, <laughs> I had moved, I had I had been with Q for five and a half years, and I moved back to Florida in 2020, uh, just actually about uh, February 14th of 2020, and then COVID came, and we got locked down, and you know all that stuff happened, and we kind of came through it fine at the end, but it was uh, good good return to my old employer in three years. And then out of the blue, a friend who owned a consulting business, which is something that I have thought about for a long time, uh, but never really, uh, never really had the, I guess, intestinal fortitude to undertake the, the, you know, trying to find my own clients. I mean, I'd like a paycheck and I like the benefits. So um, I I decided to I decided to go with this setup, which has me on staff. Um, I'm not I'm not a visit the client consultant most of the time. I'm more of a behind the scenes consultant doing um, media stuff, communications stuff, and events stuff, which is kind of draws on 
um, when I say communications and media, it's got to do with you know developing PowerPoints, developing training programs, writing uh, newsletters and articles and that kind of stuff, doing some social media in the back back room, and then planning some small uh, labor conferences that are kind of like 20, 25 people get together a couple times a year for our labor relations uh, retained clients and, and we, we do stuff. So it's uh, it's got an interesting combination of different duties and I'm, and I'm, uh, I'm relocating as a result of taking the new job, which is why everything in my house is packed and my dog's in the dog jail for a couple of days. Uh, I'm relocating uh, starting out on Thursday this week to heading to Tulsa, Oklahoma. So it's a whole big upheaval in my life. I'm leaving Florida, which is what I want. Came back to Publix to go live in Florida again. Aren't crazy, aren't madly in love with the state anymore for a wide variety of reasons. And so I'm going to go try to do. A, I'm going to go do a whole new gig in a whole new area that, in a place that I've never lived before. Mm-hmm. So I'm treating it as an adventure and uh, getting started just a couple of days after the show goes live today. Fantastic. Um, and I, the third, the third spoke on our wheel here, um, uh, as we mentioned, have also started a new gig. And so I will have, uh, I'll be hitting my one month anniversary tomorrow and I've joined Humoriso, um, which is, uh, the company owned by another longtime friend of the show, friend of ours, um, person we've we've known for a long time, uh, John Valdino. So it's his organization, which is um, been around for a, about a decade now, um, close to a decade. And um, as a firm, as a consulting firm, um, really do a variety of things. There's so Humoriso itself um, is the the approaches for companies of all sizes or HR teams of all sizes. So there is a huge uh, HR outsourcing division and practice. So it's um, everything from um, clients who can outsource their payroll or their lead management or all of their HR functions, quite frankly, to human resources. Human human resource outsourcing, um, big, um, whether doing everything or just supplementing existing teams. And then uh, human resource is also done for, for for the entirety of its incarnation, um, as needed consultation. So anything sort of in that HR sphere um, where folks have needed help on an ad hoc basis or project basis or some long-term strategy work, whatever it may be. And so I have come in to join the organization and, and as the director of talent strategy. And so building out a practice area that is, complementary to the work that's already being done as as well as complementary to our um, diversity, equity, and inclusion practice, which has been in place now for just over a year, run by Sarah Morgan, who, again, we all know. Um, And talent strategy is going to be working with clients through assessments, through projects, through work streams, uh, whatever their needs may be, everything around creating their plan of action, if you will, um, that is, you know, designed to increase their business performance, but focusing on things that are in the entire scope of um, the talent sphere. So um, activities, processes, um, future state work, whatever you want to call it, around 
attracting, acquiring, onboarding, developing, engaging, retaining um, employees. So we're, we're diving in with work around kind of those those key areas. So it's the part of HR I've always loved. Um, don't 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 make me a benefits consultant because that's not my jam. <laughs> or a compensation consultant, <laughs> or, or yeah, or an EEOC uh, yeah. analyst, or blah blah blah. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of things I would really really hate to do in HR, but I love what I do. Um, well, congratulations to us all on uh, right. new opportunities. It's uh, you know, in in my case, it was totally unexpected, and um, I had to think about it for a while, frankly, because I'm you know I'm going into year 66 in July. And I wasn't really looking for a new job, and I wasn't really looking to move. And, uh, you know, kind of guy approached me, and we had a long, like, month of conversation over it. So I decided to go on go on with it. But it was uh, one of those things where, you know, when you're least expected, it, it, it comes your way. Um, I, and, Rob, and I think in your case, you, you had had, you know, your previous company was sold. It had a murder acquisition situation, yeah. and, you know, kind of like you said, we're looking, looking. It might – you <clears> – I don't remember all the backstory now, but I believe you got caught up in some layoffs or something and, had, and were on the market involuntarily. Mm-hmm. Is that – do I remember correctly? Yep, that's right. So it was like the beginning of September. It was right after Labor Day. Yeah. Uh, laid off and um, – which was, I mean, on, on one hand, I, I get to say, oh, oh, I wanted to get back into HR tech. I'd gone to a publicly traded um, IT infrastructure software mm-hmm. organization with with some great people, but my, you know, it wasn't the the, the people that I I know in HR tech, and so yeah. it wasn't like that kind of passion. And you know, I was putting on my kind of family hat that I'm going to go work at this company for a couple of years. Uh, get more experience to working at a publicly traded company and doing analyst relations there and make some money and, you know, have the family be a little bit comfortable for a while. Mm-hmm. That, that fell apart. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So best laid plans or no plans. We all wound up in a good spot. Our team's like we all yeah. wound up in a good spot. Um, I, uh, I guess where I wanted to start with you, Mike, was to talk about, you know, you mentioned about the wonderful world of candidate experience, right? Mine was, yep. I wasn't a candidate, and then suddenly I was, and I didn't even know it, you know? So um, <laughs> I, have wor- I have worse stories about the uh, onboarding of the new candidate. Uh, but anyway, um, tell us kind of what your process was like and, how, you know, how, how was the job search mode for you, Mike? Sure. So um, when I got laid off, the HR tech conference was in about a week and a half. And I said, you know what? I want to be back in HR tech, so I'm going to go. So I paid for myself to go there, going to to Vegas, and and was kind of on the outside of the uh, conference itself because I knew that there were companies and people there that could possibly help me with a, with a new job. And I went and I tried to set up as many meetings as possible. And I did. And it was, it was great. I got to see Rob in there. I got to see a lot of people that I hadn't seen since the pandemic. Um, but then I came home and there really wasn't anything that kind of came to fruition because, uh, a lot of companies started pulling back on everything that they were going to do for the rest of the year in terms uh, Mm -hmm. you know, more and more and more people got laid off. And so my process was, all right, I'll get on LinkedIn. Um, there are a bunch of companies that I would love to work for at some point. I'll put them in companies I follow, and then 
maybe once a week I'll check I'll set up a million different tabs on my computer and look and see what jobs are available um, I had applied to a couple things I was talking to one company went down to New York and then that fizzled out after doing a bunch of stuff down there I did a candidate project for another company oh. and, and after that they never talked to me again so uh, I was very happy with the uh, the experience I got from ISIMS, but I think, you know, there's a couple of things that I noticed from, you know, being on the other end of things. And we've long, like we all talk about the industry and we all talk about what, what people are facing. But when you're on the other end, I think the biggest thing that I noticed that's wrong with some of companies' uh, processes is the timeliness so yeah. waiting around. So every day that I was waiting around to hear where I stood was another day of worry. And it was almost like, you know, if I if I didn't hear from someone in a month or I mean a week, am I being ghosted? Am right. I? Um, and so there was a lot of stress in that. And uh, it was the other the other thing is that I think for job seekers, someone needs to tell the job seekers to do the tricks that are going to help them stand out. Um, I updated my LinkedIn with specific skills because mm -hmm. I knew that the ATS systems were going to be pulling those skills. And as mm -hmm. I was doing it, I was like, there's so many people out there that have no idea that, mm -hmm. you know, having a really robust profile on LinkedIn is, is really helpful. And then I, I leveraged the network. I leveraged everybody mm -hmm. I knew and kept talking. And what, what started to kill me after a while is that there are people that say that they'll help publicly on LinkedIn, and they'll, they'll, you'll see a million posts about, if you were impacted by the layoffs, reach out to me, whatever. And there's a lot of lip service out there. But then there are some people that will help you, like Sarah White was great. Uh, Lori mm -hmm. Rudiman was someone I reached out to. But it, it was a very stressful time, not only yeah. in trying to find a good next spot and then uh, changing that to I need to get something financial wise. And I ended up yeah. in a great spot. But like they don't people don't realize that, OK, life continues when you don't have a job. My wife had yeah. uh, had left the workforce to stay home with our uh, three year old. And so she jumped back into the workforce. But. We were trying to figure out how are we going to pay the mortgage, how are we yeah. going to pay health insurance is a huge thing, and that yeah. is a major problem. I was paying 1800 a month just Ugh. to continue my health insurance. That, that, and, that, is, that is so insane, right? I, uh, I went through the same thing when I changed jobs back in 2015, and I, was, I wound up paying that one point twenty two hundred a month seven years ago. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's know, just nuts. It, it, yeah, that, that's one of the huge obstacles of changing jobs for sure. And, and yeah. one of the reasons I was so reliant on or so reluctant to try consulting, you know. Yeah, is, I mean, it's yeah. and it's just, very it's just the reality. Yeah, of yeah. like, so now I, like, I'm sitting and every month that I don't have a job is another brick or another right. nail in my coffin. Right. Um, because so I mean I I was I borrowed some money from family which was I was lucky to do I paused the mortgage because of the layoff yeah. which was okay but now like what happens after you pause it so it was paused for like four months as they want their money back yeah and you you get into this repayment plan that your mortgage is now like one and a half times what it used to yeah. be for the next six months yeah. and so it just it never ends and so yeah. that initial kind of 
break is it's just and I, I got so fed up so many times that I'm like, you know what? I should be sitting by my computer every day, but I'm burning out, like trying oh, to yeah. find a job. So I went and played golf. And well, I was very lucky that um, Trish McFarland shared a post um, that I had put up there on, on, on LinkedIn looking for work that went out to her network that ends up reaching other people and stuff. So it's just yep. the candidate experience. If there was a way to know at all times where you stand, I think yeah. that would be a lot of stress off yeah. of people's backs because it, it was just every day just waiting for that miracle. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and you know, yeah. I, I kind of, my process was to some degree kind of in the middle of the two of you um, in that, um, you know, my previous consulting firm that I had worked for, we had been acquired last last May um, and all went great and everybody moved over and, you know, it was the, it was a wonderful um, result really for, for everyone. It, it just, it, it, it gave, it gave everybody of us that, that moved over the chance to really, um, you know, develop professionally and, and kind of same work, but whole new experience. Right. Um, and I moved over obviously with the acquisition and, um, found my found myself in in a role through no fault of anyone at the acquiring company really it, it but I found myself in a role that was just not it was not me it um i i was i was not the person for this particular job and the beauty of where i was was i was very i was able to be very frank about that and and my boss was wonderful and i was able to say to him look this is this is this is not me, and I'm not doing you any favors. I'm not doing the company any favors. This is I think I need to I need to find something else. And you know I wasn't enjoying it, and I wasn't nor was I good at it. Um, and so I started to very openly with you know within the organization, I started to look for something else. But I didn't post that publicly because I was still working there for several months, and I wasn't going to kind of, oh, why are you leaving and get kind of that, you know, down that rabbit hole. So I started to have conversations with people I knew and simultaneously was applying for jobs, you know, that I found online and, you know, through some networks and things like that. And so I just pulled up because, of course, you know, I'm an HR lady, so I was keeping a spreadsheet um, and found that in the course of these couple of months before I, I landed you know, through network, but <laughs> landed where I am. Um, I applied for 15 jobs. Um, out of those 15, there were six I heard from, um, which were all rejections. Um, one of those rejections came within three hours of my submitting the application. Mm. So at least I heard from them. Um, but the other, you know, nine, um, I have still not heard from and applied for the these were in December. Um, and so I'm still kind of in that black hole. I'm assuming I didn't get the job, nor do they want to talk to me. Um, and, you know, that I think, um, you know, that was, I, and I had a lot of irons in the fire at the same time, but it was still like, okay, this is not going to last forever because I am leaving where I am. So something's got to start happening and nothing seemed to be happening at least from these online, you know, along with 600 other people, I'm applying for a job. 
Um, and it was very, it was very demoralizing. And to Mike's point, it's the, just let me freaking know, you know, I don't even yeah. care that I'm not, that we're not interested in three hours. Um, <laughs> I, because at least they let me know. Yeah. Um, I think that's just basic, you know, if you could just, I'm never angry if someone tells me, you know, gives me some constructive feedback or, you know, tells me, you know, the status of something, if it's facts, if it's just, right. you know, logical facts. I'm like, okay, right. that makes sense. And it's just like the, un, there <laughs> is this, I think recruiters need to remember who, that they're not just trying to fill a wreck. They're talking to actual people and they're talking right. to like, there's that empathy that needs to be there. And I saw it with some and I didn't see it with yeah. a lot. Um, and it was just, it, that job search when you don't have something like not yeah. everybody's a passive candidate that has money coming in and stuff. Right. And we know, right. like I knew that every month I'm out of work, it's going to look worse on my right. resume. So it's just well, that basic decency. And, and, and the piece that always makes me so mystified um, around the don't not getting back to people, which is the most, is the easiest, Thing to do because every single one of these 15 that I applied for, this was not filling out a piece of paper or a fillable PDF or whatever. This was through an ATS. And I can guarantee you that your ATS has some, uh, you know, there's some lower end ones, of course, that don't. But, you know, for the most part, there's probably some built in automation where you can move people, candidates, fairly easily through the process. And when they hit step Three, that means disposition X, which means this an automated message goes out, right? And the fact that that so many, you know, looking at it, imagining I was sitting on the inside and mapping out that workflow and that process, the fact that so many in-house recruiters, HR teams, whatever, don't take the time to use all the functionality in the product they've already bought, which that simple, simple step that takes them, you know, 10 minutes to set up. Here's our email. Here's the, the point in the process when this is going to go out, that candidate communication. Um, I mean, that should be the first thing you're doing when you're setting up your ATS or auditing your workflow or whatever. It mystifies me. And then they bemoan when candidates go down after being wasted right. for years. Um, right. Because it, it's a what goes around comes around thing. I know we got a couple other questions, and it's already uh, 26 minutes into our 30-episode yep. <laughs> here. Mike, you, you, I wanted to ask you a specific question. Uh, you said you did a candidate project uh, and obviously didn't get the job. What's, what's your take on that? Is that? Was it worth your time, or would, would you do it again if somebody asked? Because I see you have tons of comments about this kind of stuff online, and, there's a big division of opinion on whether that's something that's fair to ask a candidate or not. I get it. I get that they want to see how you work and they want to see how your brain works. I took it as an opportunity to showcase both. Yeah. After I had, so I basically did a presentation um, with a talk track and everything, never got to present it, had to send it to them beforehand and then um, got like a form email that says that they're, they're looking for something else. <laughs> like I put all that time in there. Um, so I, I, I do think you use some of your ideas it. too. But 
the same point, they should know when they're talking to me at that point, like if it's getting to the point of like doing a project that I should have a pretty good idea of what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> Which according yeah. to this company I didn't, but like, but now I will never work for them. And so that's just fine with me. And or, and hey. or, and or tell other people if, if somebody happens to mention to you, Oh, I'm interested in or interviewing at XYZ company. Oh, let me tell you about that. You know? <laughs> yeah, and uh, one of them is uh, very much in the space that I'm in, and so it's going to be great to uh, go up against uh-huh. them and, and some deals. Uh-huh. <laughs> you're going you're to know all the inner working. Oh, I can hold a grudge. Yeah. <laughs> I can very much hold on to hate <laughs> for many years. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so the candidate experience uh, – doesn't sound like it's a lot better than it was the last time I actually went through it, which I didn't this time. Great, <laughs> there's so I there's tools, and it's better than it was when I first started working. So yes. that it, it, it is better than it used to be. Yeah. It's a slow kind of progression, but I think from an organizational standpoint, you have to make sure your recruiters and that talent team know that these tools are available, can are using them right, yeah. and um, – you know, as, in terms of being on the vendor side now, like I'm glad I have that outlook yep. of the things that I hated to see. And there were some companies that I could tell the form coming back was, you know, particular vendor or whatnot. I could tell that it was part of the system, but yeah. it was just set up in a way that was just <laughs> like, like they don't, they don't care. And it's yeah. obvious they don't care. Yeah. So, um, and I think, and I do want to restate that I think someone on some level needs to teach job seekers what the ATS is looking for, um, because mm-hmm. we know that, and we don't want them to game the system or anything. And we know we have mm-hmm. AI in there to, to streamline things and pick the right candidates out. But I think, you know, there are people out there that don't know to have a LinkedIn profile, that don't know right. to have specific skills. Right. Um, LinkedIn by far was the number one tool I used to try yeah. and, and find something. I wouldn't even go to like an Indeed or something. But um, And the other thing is just build your networks. There's yeah. so many people that I've enjoyed working with in the past, people like, like both of you that I mm-hmm. you know reach out to and I say, hey, I'm looking. If you know of anything, let's talk. Mm-hmm. And I was very lucky to, to end up where, where I am, very happy. A uh, great company that is poised to do some like really good things, and mm-hmm. uh, but it was a really really tough four months or whatever it was. Yeah. Well, and you know, uh, interesting you said that uh, you know, uh, and reemphasize that about the um, importance of your LinkedIn profile. Um, and I'm gonna you know we've given shout out shout outs to a lot of a lot of our. Uh, our peers and colleagues and friends on the show, but um, another frequent guest on Drive Through HR, Katrina Kibben, um, n- you know, not just doing the, the job posting workshops and stuff that she does, she's been doing and has for a while, but she's re-upping some of her LinkedIn um, workshops and webinars and stuff too. So any job seekers, there's there are a lot of those resources from very well um, knowledgeable and uh, well-regarded and know the hell what they're talking about people out there like like a Katrina um, mm-hmm. 
that I think folks could, can take advantage of. I don't want somebody to get roped into some, you know, scammy, pay me this kind of a thing. Um, but I think, and I think on one hand, social media makes it worse. Like, because hmm. I'm out there, I got the, the badge of shame that I'm open to work on LinkedIn. And I have all these people out there that are, you know, saying either they're landing a good job or they're landing whatever. Yeah. And so you, you naturally judge yourself by those people. Yeah. And as much as I've told, you know, kids in college that I've, I've known that, that, you know, everything is fake, it still hits you. So yeah. Oh, still, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, oh, and, and the, the fake reaching out, there was one, I won't shame him or anything, but I had posted that I was, you know, it'd been a tough time looking for a job and I just had to get away from the LinkedIn screen and I, I'm going to go play golf for, uh, for nine holes. Uh, yeah. and think about, think about reasons I have yeah. to live. And, yeah, yeah. and so, um, yeah. and immediately underneath that photo commented, hope you're doing well. Like, <laughs> oh. I'm like, did you even read this? And I, I responded back and I probably said, but I was like, I'm not doing well, obviously. <laughs> But so it's just like, I don't know, there used to be a term slacktivism where, you know, you try to give to a particular cause by like, I posted a Facebook update about it. Like, it's really not, you didn't do anything. Yeah. And so the people that are using it to promote themselves, it's just, that will always leave a uh, bitter taste in my mouth. Yeah. Yeah. So you won't see me posting. I know you've been affected by layoffs. Reach out to me, whatever. <laughs> I'll just reach out. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, looking, looking for a job for anybody <laughs> is, um, yeah, it's a challenge on so many levels. And um, I think our industry is, you know, there's a little different taste of it because we, I don't know. We know what it could be, should be, right? And then, uh, and then we go through it ourselves. So yeah, there's almost like an old like Twilight Zone or something where like you 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 uh, you visit a place and you think everything's perfect. Well, it's a utopia, and then you start to notice there's something weird about the people there, and you start seeing like the little cracks in the foundations and stuff. Yeah. There's like we know what good looks like and what good should be like. It's just trying to drag people through that yeah. to realize that, okay, you may be sitting on your cloud of judgment in recruiting, but here's what the candidates are, yeah. are feeling. Yeah. And by the way, if yeah. anyone listens to this and they're, you know, they're looking for, for work or whatever, and I will actually help you because I've been there. So just reach out mm-hmm. to me, Mike Wood on, on LinkedIn, and I'll just give you my, um, my tips. The biggest one was um, following companies that I wanted to work for, then mm-hmm. clicking onto that tab on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. and then setting them up in, in different tabs in my browser and going through what jobs yeah. they had, what job alerts I could put. Yep. Uh, and yep. that's actually how I found found this job at iSims. And, and, and I just want to build on that because I think that's a really important um, tip that a lot of job seekers don't think about because People will auto, you know, often set up, oh, well, I'm going to set up a job alert, right? And they're setting up some kind of a job alert off of title or level or, you know, oh, I want to be a director of HR or a VP of HR or whatever. They're setting up for jobs. And that should happen. But that point of 
think about what companies you want to work for and 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 set up alerts for those too. I think that's key because there's a lot of people that don't do that. And and another note on that is that like so the job that I have now is a manager level and I almost didn't take it because I'd been a director yeah, before. Yeah. But I'm like, you know what, I'll talk to them and see what, what yeah. the deal is and how would <laughs> I be happy and stuff. So so titles they, they matter on one point, no, but no. what what may be one title to one organization yep. is not one to another. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and and sometimes you reach a point where titles it's not that titles don't matter, but like but I guess what I would counter with Mike is not that titles don't matter or that, you know, I can't go back to being a manager when I was a director because I'm taking a step backwards. I really, at least my personal uh, experience over, you know, 35 plus years in HR is the work that you do, like literally the work that you do, the responsibility and authority that you have, no matter what they call you, and the people that you work with and the values and culture of the organization. In my opinion, all four of those things should outrank what they call your job. Yeah, because I mean, in money, I mean, obviously, money is important too. But even money, you know, doesn't make up for if, if those other things are shitty. Yeah, yeah. I think I technical figured term. out when I was technical first HR working. term there. Sorry. <laughs> so sorry. Uh, <laughs> ahead, um, sorry. So I think I figured out when I was first working, like what actual, like what what ten grand in salary is actually, and it's something yeah. like fifty bucks a week. And so yeah. it really, like, once you know, like, what the scale is on a lot of this stuff, you could be like, okay, I get it. Like, yeah. um, one, of the, one of the best things about my company now is I have health insurance, and it's, it's out of New Jersey, but my deductible is uh, 450 bucks a year. Mm. And, uh, wow. I have, and I have the flexible spending account, too, whereas at my previous employer, my deductible was 3500 for a family, yeah. and I had this horrible thing, which um, I figured out what it is afterwards, called coinsurance, yeah. which yeah. is just an added fee. Like, so I had, like, like my, my youngest had to go to Boston Children's. Uh, she's fine. She just had uh, some asthma stuff, and we had a follow-up visit with them, and I mean, it's the best hospital in the world for kids. So just a follow-up, I brought her in there, like, how you doing? Yes. Okay, see you later. And that was $1,000. So it's just like, you know, like now I think I, I, I've pretty much from my previous companies and at Work Human, the uh, the benefits were great too. And it was just like, so I got used to that. Yeah. Now I pay much more attention to them. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, and, oh my and it, God. And it also grabs your attention when you're paying a couple grand a month or almost a couple grand a month too out of your own yeah. pocket when you're not working. There, yeah, that, that's, yeah. That's, the yeah. child care that, and health care problems in the country need to be fixed somehow. I don't yeah. know how we do that, but you can't work if the kids are home. No. And you can't get sick if you're not working. So yep. it just – so that's a, a that's a that's a good topic idea for another show, but we're just about out of time. So I want to wrap up. We do a whole up. show on things that, that really grind my gears. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> the grind my gears show. I like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll just complain. Exactly. We'll put a visual in there that. The classic, you know, Abe Simpson shaking his hand up the phone. You, you need a, you need your own <laughs> podcast, Mike. Mike Wood is pissed off about 
Oh, it's just, it's just, <laughs> I'm like, why, it's a, it's a like, why, why am I getting a, you got rejected from a job, like, a year late? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly, so, um, thank you, Mike, so much for joining us uh, on the show this week. This is another week of activity because our, our, our Michael Vanderbilt hitting the road for Oklahoma in a few days. Um, but this has been a great show. And um, and before we sign off, Mike uh, would remind everybody where folks can connect with you online. And then they'll all go and apply for those items jobs now that they've heard about the benefits. Yeah, well, the benefits have been great. So, um and at most companies that care about their people, it's great. Um, but uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, Mike Wood at iSims, and and Michael, I hope to hear you learn the uh, the words and the uh, the music to Oklahoma the next time I talk to you. <laughs> Where the wind yeah. keeps when oh, the wind Oklahoma. comes rolling down the yeah. rain. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't carry a tune unless it's on a on a CD in my backpack. So I don't know about oh, that, but we'll try. Things will change in Oklahoma. You're going to have a belt buckle, maybe some, like, animals. Yeah, I mean, could be, a little bit different. Could be, or I could be living in the hip downtown urban area of Tulsa. So we'll see which way it goes, yeah. but Tulsa King and all that stuff. But anyway, <laughs> great to catch up with you, Mike. Robin, good to talk with you this week yep. as well. Thanks. All right, thank you we both. Are out, we are out, everybody. Great day. Bye. Bye.